By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God is good. And all the time. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Welcome to the house of God. And happy Sabbath. Those of you online, welcome to the house of God, and happy Sabbath. We're delighted to have you. We wish we knew exactly where you are now, but uh, we can take some guesses, which I believe would be reliable. But wherever you are, the long arm of God's love will reach you and touch you. We thank God that his power cannot be cut off. Can you say amen? amen. How many of you lost power this week? Any of you? Yes. Mavis and I were without power, was it two days or two and a half days? We were without power, no internet, no TV, no you name it, just the Bible <laughs> and a hymn book. So in that sense, I said, Father, thank you for the blackout, but I'm glad it is over. Can you say amen? That God's power never, never runs out. Somebody say amen for God. God does not get all his props. He really doesn't. For those of you internationally, you don't know what props are. I mean, God does not get the recognition that he deserves. We, in the United States, we call that props. He doesn't get it. How are you? You look nice. Are you nice? All right. Okay. Accept that by faith without proof. Okay. Who is with us? You are a visitor. May I see your hand? All right, stand up. I need to see you myself. Stand up, stand up, stand up. I met this handsome young man, Brother Tesh, is it? From Ohio, that's where you are from. Nice to see you, Brother Tesh. God bless you. Are you in school? What are you studying? Biomechanical? Oh, biomedical engineering. May God bless you. Remember Colossians 2, verse 3. In him, in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the principles of biomedical engineering originated with God. Nice to see you. God bless you. You may sit. My dear brother, what's your name? Your name is what? Stephen. That's in the Bible. Also Philip. You're on your way to heaven. Who? 
Spell it. Oh, tulip. But there are flowers in the Bible, am I right? Yes, of course. Nice to see you. Where are you from? Suriname is a good place. I've never been there, but I hope to go there sometime. We have a vegetarian back there from Suriname. Good to have you. My brother, God bless you and keep you faithful. Say amen. amen. Brother Tulip, is that your first name or last name? I'm glad to hear that. Okay. All right. Yes, my good brother. What's your name? Paul. Ah, that's a powerful Bible name, Brother Paul. Where are you from, Paul? Where's that? Well, it's good to have you. Who invited you, Paul? Oh, good, good, good. Oh. <laughs> Paul, I like you. God bless you and come again sometime. Say amen for Paul. Yes, my lovely sister. What's your name? What's your last name? Who? Steed? Spell it. Oh, see, I see, I see. My brother, what's your name? They're all Mrs. and Mrs. C. Where are you from? Harrisburg. Oh, Parisburg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of good people in Parisburg. Nice to have you, brother and sister C. May the Lord bless you and make you a blessing wherever you go. Let the church say amen. amen. Yes, my dear brother, what's your name? Who? I accept that by faith. Now, where are you from? From where? Grand Rapids. But originally, where are you from? Haiti. is a good place. I have some good friends from Haiti. And who's the lady next to you? Your wife is a lovely lady. What's her name? Immacula. All right, Immacula. Nice to have you, brother and sister from Haiti. May the Lord bless you and put a double blessing on your children. Say amen for our two friends. You may be seated. Yes, in the back, to the left. Okay, to the right. What's the name? Felicia. Felicia. How are you, Felicia? Fine. Where are you from? From Flint, Michigan. Flint? Yes. That's where my in-laws were from, Flint. <laughs> Good to have you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, my sister. Alicia. Alicia and Felicia. Yes. Hello, Alicia. Hi. Where are you from? I am from Flint. Flint is this a good is, place. Yes, this is my daughter, Zariah. Your daughter? What's her name? Zariah. Who? Zariah. Zariah. Yes. Zariah is a good name. What does Zariah mean? Oh, man, I forgot. <laughs> you haven't decided yet. It's okay. It's oh, all right. It's Felicia, Alicia, Zariah, good to have you. What's the name of the little one? Rhea. Rhea. How old is she or he? She is three. She. God bless her. Jesus Christ at one point in his life was that size. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the arms of Mary, may God bless her, protect her from childhood diseases, and may she grow up to know and to love Jesus. Say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. One more time. Amen. God is good. All and all the time. How many of you love God? Can I see your hand? Ah, I know God is happy. I love God too, so let me put two hands up. God has always been good to me, as I always say. He's never done me anything wrong, and I praise his name for that. Before I get into the message, which is entitled, May I Help You? <laughs> if you're not using one of these, then please make sure it is dead. Not turned down, I mean dead. When it's dead, it can't vibrate. Even the vibration will disturb you. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, what? Put your words 
in that man's mouth, and I really, really mean that. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Favor number three, think as you listen. Isaiah 1:18, come now, let us do what? Reason together, saith the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the honor, the joy, and the privilege of knowing you. Father, the Bible says, behold, what great a, a privilege, a joy it is to be called the sons of God. The level of love that you have for us to call us your children. Father, we want to live up to that name. And as we bow in your presence, if we've sinned, forgive us, Father. Grant us your grace. Grant us your spirit that he may guide and direct this presentation. That he may enlighten the minds of those listening in the building and online. But a very special blessing on all our guests today, God. A particular blessing on all the children, both in the building and online. Bless this host country of the United States. Remind the leaders, Father, those who guide this country, that righteousness exalteth a nation. And I pray a similar blessing on all countries represented by those watching. Now, Father, use me as I humble myself before you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let God's people say amen and amen. Go with me to Exodus 19. We'll read from verse 4. Exodus 19, reading from verse 4. It is 7 minutes to 12. I'll try to release you by 12.30. So that's 37 minutes. I hope that's not excessive. What book did I say? What chapter? Reading from verse 4. And I read from the King James Version of the Bible. And I want to thank the lovely lady who read the scripture so well. Who is she? <laughs> All right, do you have Exodus 19? <laughs> Reading from verse 4. If you have my version, read with me. What does the Bible say? Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. We have the Egyptians. And how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore... If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all what? All people, finish the verse, for all the earth is mine. Keep reading. And ye shall be unto me a of and a holy. These are the words which thou shalt do what? Speak unto the children of Israel. Now, Eloi tells us, in Petras and Prophets, page 303, paragraph 2, I believe it is, Israel was now to be brought into a close and peculiar relation to the Most High, to be incorporated as a church and a nation under the government of God. God's ideal was the Israelites would not simply be a nation, but a nation church. And both the nation and the church have the same standard. The Ten Commandments. You're not hearing me. It's my fault. All the businesses were to be run in the light 
of the Ten Commandments. Their dealings with surrounding nations were to be conducted in the light of the Ten Commandments. They were a nation church. They were a nation seven days a week. They were a church seven days a week. Now for us today, we are a church on Sabbath. Some of us. And during the week, well, you can use your imagination. We are to be a church seven days a week. We are to be guided by the Ten Commandments seven days a week. Christ's Object Lessons, page 349, paragraph 3, Ellen White writes, Religion and business are not two separate things. They are one. When run by the Christian. Business and religion are one. All right. What did God require of this nation church. Now, therefore, let's read microscopically. Uh, um, Exodus 19. If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, that's all. That's all. Listen very carefully. God's desire was to enter into a covenant with the Israelites. The conditions were simple. Do what I say and I will bless you. Disobey and I will punish you. That's it. What should we do? The Ten Commandments. That's it. Because this is the whole duty of man. What I want to stress is what God required of the Israelites. Obedience to my law. Now, having said that, let us go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. What's our subject? May I help you? What book did I say? What chapter? We read from verse 5. Let me talk about the structure of Deuteronomy. It is really made up of three long speeches. Moses is reminding the Israelites of all they went through and the fact that God, without variation, required one thing of them, obey me. It never changed. In chapter 5, he rehearses the Ten Commandments. In other words, this is not the voice of God in Deuteronomy 5. It is Moses recalling from memory the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, it is the voice of God. Now, before Moses recites the Ten Commandments, he prepares them in chapter 4 by reminding them of the need for obedience. Now, here is what he tells them. Read with me Deuteronomy 4 from verse 5. Behold, I have taught you what? Statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God hath commanded me, that ye should what? Do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your, come on, wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall say what? Which shall hear all these statutes and say what? Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Stop. Think. 
Why would the nation say they were a wise and understanding people? I'm not moving until you answer me. Because it's in the verse. Read verse 6 again. Read out loud. King James Version. What does it say? Do keep therefore and do them. Why? For this is your... Now stop. Keep therefore and do what? The law of God. Mm -hmm. Is that clear? Keep therefore and do them. For this is your... Come on, tell me. Wisdom and understanding. In the sight of the nations. They must see what? That we're living, come on, in obedience to God's law. Which shall say, finishing verse 6, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why? Because they obey God. You're looking at me as well. I'm reading from a different Bible. Let's read verse 7. Let me pray again. Father, I'm not making it very clear. Help me, I pray, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 7, what does that say? For what nation is there, come on, so great, come on, who hath God so near? Mm -hmm. What nation is there so great? Who hath God so near unto them as what? The Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. Read verse 8 now. And what nation is there so great? Carefully. That hath statutes and judgment so righteous as all this law which I set before thee. What is it that God designed would impress the nations? Obedience to God's law. And the nations would say, who are these people? Because obedience brings what? Blessings. Mm -hmm. When the nations would see the blessings that flow from obedience, they would say, who are these people? And they would come without a poster painted on a wall. Because the greatest form of evangelistic advertising is absolute obedience to God. Which produces blessings that attract. Because people love a good thing. You're sleeping with your eyes open. Nobody's listening. Let the Bible strengthen this point for us. Go to Matthew 5. Let's read from verse 14. What's our subject? May I help you? Three minutes after 12. You have Matthew 5? Let's read from verse 14. My friends online, I hope you're still with us. For those of you online, I should let you know I'm in my home church of Ipsy. This is where I am when I'm not where you are. This is Ipsy, my home church, my people. All right, what book did I say? What chapter? What verse? Read with me without looking. Ye are the light 
of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, let your light so shine before men that they may see your... Stop. What did God say the nations should see in Deuteronomy 5? Your good works in the form of your obedience. Jesus is telling us in Matthew what he told the Israelites in Deuteronomy. It was the same person. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. You see, faithfulness to God produces evangelistic results without a tent being pitched. Because people just come. But we're not faithful, so we have to find other ways to bring them. So we establish what is called seeker-friendly churches. <laughs> have you ever heard of a seeker-friendly church? You haven't? I'm sorry to hear that. A seeker-friendly church is a church whose worship service is designed to attract the unbeliever. Whom they assume is seeking Christ. <laughs> listen to me carefully. Well, listen to the Bible. Nobody seeks Christ. Christ has to seek you. So when you set up a seeker-friendly church, you may be attracting the wrong people. Let's go to John 6. John 6. What's our subject? May I help you? Mm -hmm. John 6. Now, in John 6, we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the only miracle recorded in all five Gospels. Jesus feeds them, then he goes across the lake to get away from the crowd. Let's read from verse 25 of John 6. Do you have that? Yes. Read with me. What does that say? And when they had found him where? On the other side of the sea, they say unto him what? Rabbi, whence camest thou hither? What are you doing here? Read verse 27 for me. Verse 26 for me. And Jesus answered and said what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Let me put that in modern English. People seek a provider, not a savior. I'll join that church because they have a daycare. I'll join the church because they give food. And so when the multitude came across the sea, I can see Jesus saying, may I help you? What do you think they said? We want what? We want food. Why did you shut down the supermarket? We want food. We've come for more fish and bread. May I help you? I hear this church plays the same music I'm accustomed to in the club. May I join? <laughs> May I help you? Yes, I understand there's snacks before the service. Can I join? So I can sit through the service with a full stomach and an empty head. 
Can I join? I've been looking for a husband. I tried counseling, a psychic, acupuncture, no success. <laughs> They're nice men. Can I join? Come on in. May I help you? I'm a lonely person. I want to make some friends. Come on in. Churches are designed to attract what they call seekers. But the Bible say there is none that seeketh God. Now, in order to seek someone who's not seeking God, you've got to make some changes in your behavior. And so what these churches do, they say, let's not preach about sin. Not talk about the stuff that caused Christ to give his life. Don't talk about repentance. It makes people uncomfortable. Don't talk about confession. Don't talk about hell. Because I'm going through it now. Don't dress up. Dress as if you're going to Kmart dress down. Change the music. So they're comfortable hearing what they're accustomed to. Seeker-friendly churches. And when they come and say, may I help you? I like your music. It reminds me of where I came from. I can come in my whatever, dress like I'm going to the basketball court. Here I am. Now, go to John 4. Nine minutes after 12. What's our subject? May I help you? Mm -hmm. John 12, not 12, sorry, what did I say? John 4. Verse 23 and verse 24. Hey. Do you have that? Verse 23, what does that say? For the hour is what? Cometh and now is when the true worshipers, come on, shall worship the Father how? In spirit and in pause. Now, pause. Now, finish that verse. The Father seeketh such. Now, is God a seeker, yes or no? Yes. Now, here's what we have. Human seekers. And we have God who's a seeker. Now, to please whom shall we design our service? Well, that's the right answer. But that's not what churches do. They design churches to please people. And in that act, finish my words, by designing a church to please people, you necessarily, come on, displease God. What is the primary function of the church? To worship God. To honor God. To glorify God. Evangelism is one way, come on, to do that. The fundamental purpose of the church is to glorify God. Evangelism is simply one way of doing that. 
But here's what you and I must avoid. Go to Matthew 23 quickly. 23 verse 15. Who has it? Nobody. So slow. Do you have it now? Matthew 23 verse 15. Is the air conditioning on? Is that true? I don't feel it. But it's okay. There's preparation for the time of trouble. Okay. Matthew 23, verse 15. Read with me. What does that say? Woe unto you. Come on. Scribes and Pharisees. What? Hypocrites. Now carefully read. For ye what? Compass. Come on. See and land to do what? Make one proselyte. Stop. This is evangelism. You cross the Mediterranean. To convert one person. Finish the verse. And when he is made or converted or joins the church, not really converted, just joins the church. Come on. Ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. There's a form of evangelism that prepares people for hell. By bringing people into an environment that does not glorify God. But they call it church. This is serious business. That's why. <laughs> churches today. Adventist churches. Let me pick on my own people. We need more in reach. Than outreach. Because LMI tells us. God is holding back. A lot of people. Why? We're not ready. Change the music to please them. Change your dress to please them. Change how you preach to please them. To please people who are not seeking Christ. Now here is God who's also a seeker. John 4.23. He is seeking those who will design their worship to glorify him. They will dress in a certain way to glorify him. Who will do whatever to glorify him. So we have glorify him or please them. Now these things need not come into conflict all the time. Let me tell you something. Whenever God is glorified, you are guaranteed someone will be blessed. That guarantee does not work when you, you please people ahead of God. That guarantee disappears. Let me say it again. When you please God, there is a guarantee someone will be blessed. But when we please people, there's no guarantee God will be glorified. Uh, Am I getting through to you? Yes. This side said yes. What's your problem? <laughs> what have I been trying to say? You tell me, I'll tell the internet. This side, what have you heard? That side. Glorify God in everything we do as a church. Say it again. Obey God. Which is the most powerful form of evangelism. Listen to Ellen White. Evangelism, page 137, paragraph 4, I believe it is. Or paragraph, paragraph 1. 
never bring the gospel down to a low level in order to obtain converts seek to bring the sinful and corrupted up to the high standards of the law of god the standards in music in dress in diet in behavior in everything bring them up don't bring the service down We must always think of God first. The Bible says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or plan the service, finish it. Do all to the glory of God, not the pleasure of people. We ought to obey God rather than men in everything we do now. I am not saying we have a church that is unpleasant but let me tell you something any church that preaches truth will repel people ah you didn't hear me he was walking in so you didn't hear me anytime you preach truth people will turn and walk away that's why christ ended up on the cross they could not take two things the life he lived and what he was saying And so when Christ was preaching in John chapter 6, the disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can handle this? And they left him. Mm. They left him in droves, John 6, 66, to such an extent that Jesus turned to the twelve and said, will ye also go away? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We should be strict Sabbath keepers. In a, in, a, in a pastor's office, myself and two elders were chatting briefly. We said, Muslims are serious. Are you listening to me? They don't joke about their religion. Jehovah's Witnesses are serious people. You go to the service, there's no one in the parking lot hanging out. They're all in the building. You go to Mormon service, they are serious. They are holy underwear they wear, the men. Mm-hmm. There's a holy sanctified underwear you wear. You come. <laughs> you come to. And anything goes. For the sake of winning people. You go to the army, you change everything. You change the way you wear your hair. The way you make your bed. <laughs> The way you polish your shoes, you change everything. You join a business, they have a dress code. You join a Boy Scout. Hmm. You come to the church, do whatever you like. The church seems to have a motto, anything goes. As long as the place is crowded. This is a crime against heaven when Jesus preached the gospel of John records there was a division when he spoke a division a division a division Christ said I came not to bring peace but a sword I am come to set a, a, a daughter-in-law against her mother a son-in-law 
against the father law why because some will say yes to truth and some will say no that's why the word of god is a sword not simply to defend from the devil but it cuts it cuts it cuts what's our subject may i help you why did you come did you come for god did you come for Christ. You see, when I say come for Christ, that's exactly what I mean. You come for a person, whether you get food or not. A person who expresses himself by truth. But a person who will never forsake you or leave you without your wants provided. But you come for a and that person calls himself truth I am truth may I help you as God stands at the door he knocks and we say to him may I help you and God says I'm looking for people who sing to my glory we say well this is not the church father try that one yes may I help you I'm God I'm looking for people who dress as if they respect me. Oh, not this one. Try that church. Yes, I'm God. I'm looking for people who place a priority on the word. Who do more studying than singing. Because no one in the Bible that I know of has ever been won by singing. But I love singing. Don't misunderstand me. But some things are more important, come on, than others. Why do you come to church? Now keep coming, don't misunderstand me. But why do you come? You must come because a person has called you. And he has a lifestyle for you to follow. And it's in this book. And when he calls you, he tells you, Change the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you dress, the way you eat, the way you handle problems. Change everything in the light of this. If you do that, says God, the surrounding nations will be so impressed, some will come. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments even as the Lord my God hath commanded me that ye should do them in the sight of the nations whither ye go to possess it. Obey me. Faithfulness to God is the most powerful way to influence people to follow God. And so today, 1223, I'm releasing you early. If God stands at the door and you knock on that door and he says to you, may I help you, what would you say? I have come looking for Jesus. God will say, but we offer no food. I understand that. I have come looking for Jesus. He's my bread. But we have no clothes to give away. I understand that. I have come looking for Jesus. He is my robe, come on, of righteousness.
May I help you? I have come looking for Jesus. But we don't offer friendships in this church. Yes, but Jesus says, ye are my friends. If ye do, come on, whatsoever I command you. I am looking for Jesus. Why? Because when you have Christ, you have everything. What's our subject? May I help you? I came for the music. Wrong reason. May I help you? Came looking for a husband or wife. Wrong reason. I came looking for child care. I have seven children. Wrong reason. I need help with rent. Wrong reason. Need food. Wrong reason. When I say wrong, I mean should not occupy priority one. Who among you knocking on this door, says God, has come for, come on, Jesus. When Christ said, come on to me, he wasn't joking. He never said, come to a building. He said, come to me. When you've come to me, I will take you by the hand through my word and guide you to the right building. But come to me. Seek of friendly churches. We need God-friendly churches. And a church is made up of individuals. A God-friendly church is a church where the individuals are God-friendly. Can you say amen? How many of you will say with me, Father, help me in all that I do to be a God-friendly Christian? Can I see your hand? Ah, God bless you. Stand up with me. We need more God-friendly churches. Not so many seeker-friendly churches, but God-friendly churches. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of truth. Father, it cuts, it cuts deep, but it saves. Please, God, help us to remember what you told the Israelites. Our chief form of evangelism should be faithfulness to you. Strict obedience. The blessings that follow will surely attract people from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Dear God, help us in all we do to make our church and ourselves God-friendly. When we do that, we will attract the right people. Bless everyone who listened. Draw us close to your bosom and keep us in your bosom. In Jesus' name I pray, let God's people say, Amen and Amen.